Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wallace from Redemption to the Nation's Church, and I'm grateful that we are going to have this opportunity to bring this message of hope, healing, and restoration to you and your family today. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray. Be blessed by the word of the Lord. I want you to go right to the Bible, Romans chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4 if we get there. But I feel the goodness of God. And I feel the same spirit moving in this room that woke the three-day dead body of Jesus up out of his death and raised him into newness of life. And how many know that same spirit is working on the inside of us this morning? If you believe it, give him praise for it. Say amen. Rick, I'm going to ask you to bring me my phone because I printed off my message and one page did not get printed. And it's got some Greek on it. If I mispronounce it, it could get bad. There it is. I want you to take your Bible and open it to Romans chapter 12 for a few minutes this morning. I'm going to begin a series that God laid on my heart about two weeks ago. If you've been, how many have been a part of this church family over five years, four years, five years, lift your hand, so many of you. We're so thankful for you. You've heard me teach on this before, but I teach this periodically as the Spirit of the Lord leads me here because I remember the significant impact that this revelation and word God gave me had on my personal life and it had on our church. And there are some things that, you know, we preach and we move from sermon to sermon, but there are those foundational things that God gives us as a church family that are important for our future. And as we continue to grow, you have to revisit those things so that people who've come in the middle of the journey catch up with what God is saying and what God is doing. How many know what I'm talking about? And so this will be reinforcement for some people who've heard it. It will be revelation for some people who've never heard it. And whether it is reinforcement or revelation, it is the word of the Lord for this church for this hour because I believe God wants us to know not only that we are saved. How many are saved? If you're saved and you know it, lift your hand. I, 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 I believe God wants us to have the assurance and the inner witness that we are indeed born again and children of God. But if the greatest day of your life is the day you got saved, the second greatest day of your life is the day you find out why. How many want to know why you're saved? And I want to talk about that for the next few weeks. I want to talk about your personal metron and the corporate, uh, the corporate reality of every person in this room coming into an understanding of what it is God has put them on this planet for. And we want to talk about that for the next few Sundays with the help of the Lord. I want you to start with me in Romans chapter 12. I want to preach a series of messages called the Metron, gifted to serve. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, you're gifted to serve. Yeah, you're gifted to shout, but you're also gifted to serve. You're gifted to lay, lift your hands and to speak in tongues, but how many know you're gifted to serve? I can't find no help in the church today. God doesn't want us just to be spiritual in our praise and our worship. He wants us to embrace this kingdom responsibility that he has put on every one of our lives. How many want to have a yes in your spirit to God today? I want to say this to you as I ease into this message. This past week, I had the honor and privilege of preaching uh, one of the funerals of our sweet, sweet saints here in this church. Sister Cynthia McGee went home to be with the Lord and was very young, a picture of vitality and health and uh, contracted uh, a sickness and it took her to heaven. And she wrote me a letter a year and a half before she died. And they delivered this letter to me this past week before I preached her funeral. And it said to me, dear Bishop, if you are reading this letter, I have transitioned and I am now before the face of God. And she said, I want you to preach my funeral and I want you to give a gospel invitation to my family because I have an assurance from God that they will not reject the invitation that you give them. I want to tell you God touched lives at that funeral this past week. But I want to say this, and that's powerful, but 
The Lord really helped me with something this week that I think he wanted me to say. I don't think I know he wanted me to say to this house. We're getting ready to relaunch house fires and interest groups and ways of connection. And at that funeral, there were so many beautiful people there and friends and family had flown in from all over the, literally the world. But I looked off to my left while I was preaching that funeral and I saw a whole row of members from our church who were at Miss Cynthia's funeral. And I found out that all of those people from our church family who were a part of her house fire small group came to her funeral. And why would I tell that? Because in a church this big, with multiple campuses and thousands of people, it's important that you don't just get lost in a crowd. It's important that you become part of the family. And we are about to roll out and launch house fires and interest groups and marriage ministry and family ministry and ways for married couples to get connected and couples with kids to get connected. You're going to hear about all this, the spring, the summer, the fall, etc. This is not just another church program. This is community. Somebody say community. And you don't get to fully understand the fullness of the things of God while you're all by yourself. The best stuff happens when you're around brothers and sisters in Christ. I need some witnesses here. And so I saw that house fire there and I said, the Lord just touched my heart. He said, Kevin, you're on it. You're in the wheel. You just got to, as the church rolls it out, you got to make sure the people of God, the family understand the significance of being part, even if it's once a month, twice a month, whatever it is, don't just be an SMO. Touch somebody, tell them I'm not an SMO. Somebody said, what is an SMO? That's a Sunday morning only. How many know there's so much stuff happening, we gotta go beyond what's just happening in here on Sunday, and we gotta do life together. Come on, somebody say amen right there. So we're gonna be rolling this out. I want you and your family not just to get connected. I'm gonna ask you to help me do the connecting. We don't just wanna be a friendly church. We wanna be a place where people can actually easily become friends. Well, I want to talk in tongues. We did that. Now help me just continue to grow. And we'll keep talking in tongues, but we'll go deeper in fellowship with God and with each other. Somebody say amen. amen. So that's free. That's not my sermon. Romans chapter 12. When you hear it, get signed up and become a part. Get in a house fire. Get in a small group. Get, get to one of the fellowships and outreaches we're doing. Just make friends and make it easy to make friends. Ro Romans chapter 12, say the Metron. I want to teach on this for the next couple of weeks, the Metrons gifted to serve. I want you to look at Romans chapter 12. We're going to read this off the screen. If I stop, you keep going, and then we'll go to Ephesians, 12, uh, Ephesians 4. And uh, for a few minutes, I'm going to teach, and I'm going to teach on this for the next several weeks. So let's read this together. Chad, if you could. Be I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Y'all better read. Come on. Holy. Come on. Our cadence. Lord, help us. Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Next verse. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Next verse. For I say through the grace given unto me. The measure of faith. Say the measure of faith. Next chapter, uh, Ephesians 4. Let's read the Bible together. Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6, I believe, maybe 7. There is an... Who is above all and through all and in you all. Look at this next verse. Verse 7. But unto the measure of the gift of Christ. Say the measure. This is the same author in two different books of the Bible. Both are Pauline epistles. And this same author, this man of God, the Apostle Paul, cannot stop talking about the measure. And the word in the English is measure. The word in the Greek is metron. 
And for the next few weeks, I want to talk about your metron and your measure in the kingdom of God. Father, help us. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. For the next few moments, let me teach the word of God with clarity, accuracy, unction, and authority. Rebuke, reprove, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Help us today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. You can be seated. I have been pastoring this church now. This is my 20th year pastoring. Devin and I have been here. I cannot believe that y'all put up with us for 20 years. And I can't believe the Lord put up with me that long. But we've been pastoring for 20 years. And as a pastor, one of the common things that I hear from our people over these 20 years, my first year, my 10th year, my 12th year, even now into my 20th year, one of the common themes that has uh, constantly come from the hearts and the sentiments of the people of God is I constantly hear people who want to know what it is that God has purpose for them to do. People want to be in their God-given purpose. I think that all of us have come to the place in our life where we recognize that the most precious commodity we have as people is not money, it's not things, it's not possessions. The most precious commodity that we have is time. You can't buy more of it, you can't earn more of it. All of us, according to the book of Psalms, has a set amount of days. It's why the psalmist said, teach me to number my days. Um, I don't know about you, when I die, I don't just want to die old, I want to die full. I don't just want to die tired, I want to die having finished my course. I want to be like Paul, who according to 2 Timothy, when he was getting ready to lose his life, they were getting ready to behead him, and they were getting, he was getting ready to cross over into heaven. He didn't say, I did what I could, and I tried my best, although that's true. He said, no, I fought a good fight. I finished my course, and I kept the faith. How many want to come to the end of your life not having wasted days? You want to come to the end of your life and look back without regret and say, I may not be everything people thought I was going to be, but I can say I am what I am by the grace of God. I did what I could to advance the king's agenda in my generation. And we need to make sure that we understand whether we're in our 20s, our teens, our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, however old you are, we need to understand that we have uh, not the promise of tomorrow. The Bible said do not put off on tomorrow what should be taken care of today. And I feel like there's some people who don't want to waste time. I feel like there's some people who have come to a place in your life where you say, I'm tired of delaying. I'm tired of, I'm tired of putting my life on a shelf. I'm tired of pushing pause. I'm tired of having to always restart. I'm tired of having to get a second chance and a third new beginning. And I'm ready to spend the rest of my life. Come on. Paul said, when I was a child, I acted like a child. I spoke like a child. I did childish things. But when I became a man, I put those things away. How many know there's a, there's a moment in all of our lives where we grow up and we say, we don't have time to waste. We got to do what it is God has called us to do. I think most people have come to that place in their life in the church. I don't meet many people who are happy about the idea of living a wasted life. Most people, maybe not everybody, but most people in the kingdom of God recognize we are going to stand before the king of glory one day. And when we stand before the king of glory, I don't want to hear him say almost. I want to hear him say, well done. How many want to hear him say, well done? Well done. So if we're going to come to the end of our life and hear him say, well done, it means we have to know what it is he called us to do. If we want to know what it is he's called us to do, we've got to figure out how to get to the place where our minds have given us the understanding to let us know what it is we have breath in our body for. 
Are we just here to sit in pews? Are we just here to work nine to five jobs Monday through Friday? Or is there something beyond all of this that God is calling us to? And I believe that is laid out very clearly for us in the word of God. God doesn't want you living your whole life in the dark. God doesn't want you living your whole life in confusion. God doesn't want you living your whole life chasing something that is not part of your purpose. So if he doesn't want that and he wants me to know what it is he's called me and purpose for me to do, then how do I come to an understanding and a revelation of what my purpose is? In other words, what is my metron? And there are three verbs in Romans chapter 12. This is where I'm going to start. We'll see if I get to Ephesians 4 if we have to do it next week. But in Romans chapter 3, there are three verbs that help us get to a a place where we can begin to know the will of God for our lives. And the first word, the first verb that Paul uses in uh, the book of Romans, the 12th chapter and the first verse. If you're going to come into an understanding of the measure and and the measure is the metron, Some things have got to happen so that you begin to understand this thing that God has measured off for you. Here, I brought some butter today. This is not margarine. Oh no, we're going to cook with a real thing, baby. If you're going to understand this thing about the measure, then you must understand that the word for measure in the Greek is the Greek word metron. Everyone say metron. And the word metron is is the measured off portion that God has given you. Nobody gets the whole stick of butter except Jesus. Everyone in here gets a measure. I want to tell some of you, God will never put more demand for more faith on you than the measure he gave you. You may be sitting here today and maybe you haven't moved, maybe you haven't acted, maybe you haven't even started because you say, I don't have great faith. I came to deliver you from the lie that you have to have great faith to do great things for God. I love people who have great faith, but I'll take people who have mustard seed faith. God said, you don't have to come with great faith. All you got to do is use the faith that I measured off for you. I gave you a metron of faith. The Bible said in Romans 12 verse 3, every breathing person in this building and watching me online or television right now, every person breathing, God gave every man a measure. He cut off a piece of faith and gave you a measure of faith. Quit waiting on your measure to get bigger before you use the small. God never says grow your faith before you meet him so that you can meet him. God said, I gave you enough faith to introduce myself to you so that all you have to say is, yes, Lord, I believe. And if you will believe God with whatever measure of faith he gave you now, then we can grow our faith and become great in faith. But some people don't do anything because they don't believe they have a big enough faith to do it. I want to tell you that God will give you a measure to introduce you to him so that you come into his kingdom. But that is not the finish line. The measure of faith is where we start. And there are three words that he uses to get us to understanding Not just this measure of faith, but as we will see from Ephesians chapter 4, the measure of grace. All of us have been given a measure of faith. Say faith. Faith. But that measure of faith that God gave you you is to be used to activate the grace that God has measured off for you. And some people have gotten enough faith to get out of hell. But they don't have, they don't understand that using that same faith is necessary for developing the kind of life God wants you to live. In other words, some people got enough faith to say, Lord Jesus, save me. How many are saved? Lift your hand again. Uh Some people had enough faith to get saved, but they don't use their measure of faith for the rest of their life. God doesn't want to just save you from hell. He wants to save you and reveal to you why it is he gave you new life. And it's not just to get to heaven and get out of hell. It's to make a difference in the generation that you're living in. But you don't begin to tap into that measure, that metron, 
until you, bre- you, you understand and grasp these three verbs. Let me give them to you real quick and I'm gonna get out your way. Number one, he says, present yourself. Now that doesn't seem very deep or revelatory, but in the first verse of Romans chapter 12, Paul said, I beseech you brothers and sisters by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And the Greek word for present is peristemi in the Greek. And it means to yield or surrender. Paul said, if you wanna find out why God has put you on this planet and you wanna find out what your purpose is, the first thing you gotta do is quit living life for yourself and surrender your life to the God who created you. I'm going to teach here because some people get saved and they show God their addendum. They have the the small print for God. Yes, I'm going to serve you, but I'm going to need you to do this and I'm going to need you. Come on. God has become more than Elohim. He's become more than a creator. He's become more to some people in the church than Lord. He's become the genie in the bottle. And if you want to save me, that's great, but I'm only going to follow you so long as you do this. Y'all not talking to me. And you do this, and you meet these needs, and I got this idea and this desire, and if you don't make it happen, I'm going to get offended with you. That is not discipleship. Presenting your life is not coming with your list of requirements for him to save you. Presenting your life is coming to him and say, I was a wretch on my way to hell. I was full of sin. I was full of misery. I'm throwing myself on the altar. And whatever you want to do with my life, I say yes, because you're the potter and I'm the clay. And I want you to have your will in my life. Most people don't present themselves. It's it's the word used for the dead sacrifice. The, The priest would take a slain animal and lay it on the altar and present it as an offering to God. And Paul uses that same language to declare, you and I don't come as a sacrifice full of life and full of all these wonderful plans. We come as a dead thing only made alive by the life of God within us. I'm only alive because Jesus' life lives in me. Before him, I am dead. Apart from him, I have no life. I wish I could find some help here. And there are too many people who are so full of their life, they've never discovered God's life for them. So Paul said, if you want to really begin to tap into this reason I gave you this metron of faith and this this measure, I measured it all for you. If you want to, the first thing you got to come do is present your life. And he gives us an oxymoron as a living sacrifice. Have you ever thought about that? A living sacrifice? Living is one thing, sacrifice is another. The two words are completely opposite. One is alive, one is dead, yet he joins the two words together. How can you become a living sacrifice? I'm glad you asked. He gave us the answer in Galatians chapter two. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, it is not I, but Christ who lives within me and the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am here and my pulse is there and my blood pressure tells me I'm alive but my life that you that you are experiencing and the life you are experiencing for yourself, it, if you're saved, it is far beyond the physical demonstration and presence of physical vitality because you can be alive alive physically and still be dead as a human being. If you are alive today in Christ, then it doesn't matter how frail your body is and how sick your body is. If you are alive in Christ, the devil cannot steal that life. He says, present your life as a living sacrifice, a living dead thing. Alive by the power of Christ, dead to everything that was my agenda. And then he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be. Second verb, transform. First verb, present your life, surrender. Second verb, I'm already halfway through. Second word, be transformed. It's the Greek word, 
metamorpho. It's where we get the English word metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is the scientific term that we apply to the caterpillar who goes in a cocoon and waits for a season to become a butterfly. I have learned and discerned and come to discover in the kingdom of God that many people are content with being a caterpillar crawling on the ground. But Jesus did not save you to keep you a caterpillar crawling on the ground. The intent of God is for you to be sanctified, set apart from the world and become so united with Jesus that the thing that used to be slow and crawling goes into a cocoon of transformation called grace and when you come out you're not crawling anymore you got wings and you begin to soar look at somebody tell them God's trying to get you to transform too many people want to conform and let me tell you why some people never never bother with the with the issue and the challenge of transformation because many people who used to crawl have friends that liked you while you were on the ground but when you begin to soar they started lying on you talking about you y'all not saying nothing to me and you found that the trouble of transformation is sometimes too hard a weight to bear I come to tell somebody you're gonna have to make up your mind that if they celebrate you you're gonna soar but if they talk about you you're are still gonna fly I refuse to spend the rest of my life with a bunch of chickens why God has called me to be an eagle they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles slap somebody tell them it's time to fly yeah you can't stay down and ground bound your whole life and talk about how hard it is at some point God will put you in a cocoon he will transform your crazy mind and let you come out saying if God be for me who can be and and transformation there's only two options living in this world you will either conform or transform And there's a whole lot of people in the church and in the kingdom have decided I'm going to take the least, uh, uh, the least abrasive route and I'm just going to chill. All that trouble of transformation, I don't want to deal with that trouble. I'd, I'd rather just conform. The problem is the world we live in has no dead end with this craziness. It is presenting our generation. Y'all, we are in a fight for our lives. Why do you think all this mess is happening with gender confusion and gender chaos? And if you don't like what God created you, you can get a mama and a daddy crazy enough who will sit you down at a breakfast and tell you you were created the wrong thing. Let me take you to a doctor and change you so you become what you want to be. Y'all better hear me. That's a demon and a devil. It's a lie. It's a lie. They've been sabotaged. Mama and daddy were not called to change your sexual orientation. They were called to tell you the B-I-B-L-E. They were called to... Raise you up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. You let one crazy demon-possessed person start talking crazy and the spirit of this age will sabotage that lie and start spreading it all over media until a whole generation wakes up and thinks they're actually confused in their identity. Can I tell you, zoom in on my face. Let me tell you something. When God made you, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. He did not make a mistake and nobody needs to rewrite your story. The God... So when you hear some preaching like this, you think, oh, he's a religious bigot, narrow-minded. I'm not narrow-minded. I'm trying to keep you in your purpose. I'm trying to keep you in your God-given identity. Quit letting crazy people full of the devil tell your children that they ought to change who they are. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. His hand is on my life. We're conforming if we're not careful. And, and the church has almost gotten squeamish and apologetic. And you watch this mess happen and it starts in a person. It spreads to a group. It'll move into a whole denomination. I don't, I don't have none of this in my notes, but I'm going to give it to you while it's coming to me. So you better take it. That's, we're evolving. That's the new word. We're evolving. I'm not evolving. I am not evolving. Males have a penis. Females have a vagina. God didn't make a mistake. 
Y'all don't like that, but we got to say it in the church because you'll leave this building today and somebody will tell your children, sit down and think about it long enough and we can make an alteration. No, we don't need an alteration. We need to stay in the book and let the truth speak to us. Well, I'm taking my kids. We will never come back to this church. He said that the Bible said it. God created male and female. He did not create a it, a they, a... We don't need to evolve. We need the truth in love. If the house is burning down, you don't have to be mean-spirited. You don't have to be hateful. Do it with a smile. Do it with tears running down your face. But whatever you do, don't tell people walking in darkness that the darkness will eventually lead them to heaven. The darkness is a road to hell. And no, that's not popular. But the Bible said be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it's not just heavy things like sexual identity that the enemy would seek to conform us to. It even crosses over into the business world. Because the system of this world wants you to think like it rather than having a renewed mind that thinks like kingdom people. So it's not just about sexual identity and things we get real passionate about. It's about how you treat your employees. Oh, y'all got quiet. All you shouting people got quiet. It's about how you do your taxes. Pastor, you were so anointed and now you meddling. Transformation has to happen in our mind in every area of parenting. Because if you don't parent like a man or woman with a mind transformed according to the word of God, you will start watching all their friends influence your children and then your children will look at you and say, well, why ain't you like them? I'm coming down there. I'm coming. I'm coming. There's a reason you ought to be thankful your mama and your daddy ain't like them. Like them that leave them for four days at a time and trust them to have a house and a set of car keys and a credit card and having parties and everything else going on. You're going to grow up one day and be thankful your daddy made you take out the trash and your mama made you pick up your, your dirty drawers and put them in the laundry room. You don't want to help me, but I'm telling the truth. You ought to be thankful for some parents that'll tell you the truth in love. We got so much of this crazy mess happening now. Now we got seven-year-olds running the house and they're just crazy and, and the mom and dad just say, oh, ain't Johnny cute? No, Johnny needs his hind end tanned. He needs your hand to touch his medulla oblique. We don't like this. We don't like this. And I'm not talking about abuse, so nobody leave here and say, you know, you are a proponent of abuse. I'm not a proponent of abuse. I'm telling you right now, though, this issue of uh, time out, time out. The only time out I had growing in my house was me calling for time out while my mama was spanking my behind. Mama, can you give me a time out? It's true. I'm not talking about abuse, but there's this mess where we can't tell children no and they're running the house and making you feel bad because they don't, they, you can't buy them all of the finest apparel and the latest Nike Air Jordan. Let me tell you something. In the economy we're living in, everybody in here, including all of our kids, ought to be thankful for a roof over our head, food on our table, gas in our car, shoes. Y'all are not helping me today, but I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> Students, you need to have a renewed mind. You need your mind to be transformed according to the word of God. We need to honor mother and father. See, you start teaching like this, people are like, he's so old-fashioned. This is the Bible. That's why our society's going crazy. We got people running around all over the church with wounds because there was no father. There was a sperm donor, but no father. Transform your thinking. Success is not 
How much money I give my, that's wonderful if you can. It's wonderful you can get them a car. It's wonderful you get them the best. I give my kids the best I can. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Success is that every night I get to pray over my children. Every Sunday, my babies are in the house of God. And we got to re-identify some things because the world we're living in has the propensity, if we're not careful, to try to conform us to its image. You will never find your purpose as long as you are competing with people who have the spirit of this age and you are impressed by what kind of life they have. Because they might be rolling in a, in a pair of sneakers that are a collaboration between Nike and Dior, but they ain't got no peace in their heart. And they would gladly give up their shoes for your peace and your joy. Don't be conformed to this world. You'll never discover what it is God called you to if you live your life trying to be like the world that you're in. You are in it, but you're not of it. And because you're not of it, God gave you the Bible and the Bible renews your mind. Touch somebody, tell them transform. How many had a TV growing up? How many had a TV growing up? Come on, don't lie, you'll go to hell for lying. How many had a TV? Anybody other than me on Saturday morning, you watch Transformers. Come on, it was clean. No cussing, no nudity. It was no Smurf spells. Come on. My mom was like, you are not watching the Smurfs. You are not watching Gargamel. shot! the devil is a liar. You will not watch Gargamel. I rebuke that. Gargamel is a prince of the power of the air. She's sitting over here acting like she don't know what I'm talking about. She knows what I'm talking about. Dungeons and dragons, the devil is a liar. You put it under your feet. I'll cut the cable line if I see you walking it again, watching it again. I'm kidding. We used to watch Transformers. Remember Transformers? They had Decepticons and Autobots. And the Decepticons looked like vehicles and the Autobots looked like vehicles until it was time to fight and then they transformed. And when they transformed, they sounded like this. All of a sudden, the dude was rolling on the ground and he, come on, Optimus Prime. He was rolling like a big truck and then all of a sudden, and he stood up and was like 90 feet tall with a big sword and started beating everybody up. And he handled the Decepticons. The problem with the churches is we don't like to transform. There's trouble in transformation. Tr transformation takes time. Transformation is it's trouble. It's troublesome. There's trouble with transformation. But if you will apply yourself to the renewing of your mind, you won't think like this world. And as long as your mind stays renewed, you can stay tapped into what it is God's given you as a metron. You will never seize your purpose trying to do it like the world's showing you to do it. Third verb. First verb is present. Surrender your life as a living sacrifice. Second word is transform, metamorpheo. Third word, that you may prove. That you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How many have ever heard that, that there are three will of God's for your life? Good, acceptable, and perfect. Lift your hand. That's the way I was taught. That is not biblical. As if God would be like, it's okay if you choose the acceptable will of God. It's okay to have a good life. You just don't want a perfect life. That is not what he's talking about. If you find the will of God, it will be good for you. It will be acceptable to God. And it will be perfect in every way. It doesn't mean bad things won't happen. But it does mean all bad things will work together for the good. Romans 8.29. For the good to those who are called of God and who love God and called according to his purpose. Hear me. The word prove, when you get into this issue of what is the purpose of God for my life, Paul says, if you want to find the purpose of God, you got to yield your life to God and surrender your own plans and say, God, I'm that dead thing, but I'm living because of you. I'm that living sacrifice and I give you my life. What do you want me to do? The second thing you got to do is be transformed in your thinking. The third thing you got to do is prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? How do you do that? Sometimes it happens by trial and error. 
How many in this place today can say you have a different career or job now than you did before? Uh, maybe, maybe when you were in your 20s or 30s and you had a shift. Lift your hand. Look at all these hands. Hear me. Does that mean you missed it the first 10 years of your life or the, during your, your teenage years? No, no, no. Listen, God doesn't waste your journey. All of it will be used for his glory. You may not have discovered everything yet that God is trying to reveal to you, but thank God that the light he's given you has gotten you to the place where you are right now. How many got headlights on your car? That's not a novel thing. Most all of us do if you don't park the car. Hallelujah. Right? All of us have headlights. But how many know this? When you get in your car from being at a restaurant on Friday night and when you get ready to go home and the sun has gone down, your headlights don't show all the way to your front porch. They only shine about 50 yards in front of you. You got to keep having the light with you so that you make it to the next place in the journey. Some people in this room are bent out of shape because God hadn't shown you all that you're going to do in your life. Quit waiting on him to show you everything and accept the light he's given you today that's going to help you get to the next place in your journey tomorrow. How many can say you've been through some things had God shown you ahead of time you were going to go through it all? You'd have been like, oh, I'm going to need you to change that. Because I don't want to go through that. God doesn't show you everything you're going to go through. He doesn't show you betrayal all the time. He doesn't show you pain. He doesn't show you. When he called the disciples to come and follow him and he'd make them fishers, the Bible says, says there were some things he was going to tell them, but they could not bear it then, so he waited till a better time. Why? Because nobody says, follow me and I'm going to get you killed. Follow me and I'm gonna let people talk about you, lie on you, get on social media and betray you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let it get real bad. God don't tell you all that. God just says, follow me and I'll make it worth the journey. Don't get bent out of shape. God is proving some things. What is he proving? He's proving that your end was established when you started the journey. Don't miss this, don't miss this. You're going to live the kind of life that brings honor and glory to God. And at the end, God's going to say, I told you everything that they said they were, everything they had become because of my grace, I proved that faith kept them and they kept the faith. And because of that, henceforth, there's laid up for them a crown of righteousness. What are you saying? Keep on proving what you say you believe and who you say you are. Prove it. I am a Christian. You know, I brought this. This is a pot with a plant. And sometimes I have found out that many people never step into their purpose because they stop proving. It's not that I mean we have to work for it. I mean that our fruit continues to declare that we are who we say we are. When I got saved 30 years ago, I don't care. What are you living like today? Well, I've been a member of the church. Yeah, but which church? You don't know what this is called. Yeah, I found this out. First of all, let me, let me get this off my chest. I'm about to close. I found out that there's a whole new thing going on in the kingdom of God where people rotate churches and they have their worship church. And they go where their favorite worship is going and then they get up and go to their preaching church. Oh, y'all, I'm coming down here. I'm looking for y'all. And then, and then we find people, the same people, I go to my small group church on Wednesday and I go to your church for the preaching and I go to your church for the worship and I go to another. You are a whole vibe. Well, why do you do that? Why do you do five different churches? Because they all meet different parts of my need. Can we please make it any more about you? And you don't pay your tithes anywhere. Oh, I'm coming for you. It's 1230. Y'all better warm the car up. The chicken getting cold. 
Don't pay tithes anywhere. Bounce from place to place and get your groove on. Why are you going, oh, they minister to my worship need. Why are you going at your, oh, he ministers to my, she ministers to my teaching need, my preaching need. Listen, at some point, you got to say, I'm going to prove who I am and stay planted somewhere long enough for, okay, okay, I'm going to let you go, but I'm going to give you this one before I go. You know what this is? This is a plant. It's real. Do you know we bought this at Walmart? Do you know Walmart waters it every day? But its destiny is not, this is literally called a nursery pot because it sits at a nursery until somebody says, I'm taking that home to plant it. And it will stay this size. Why? Its roots have nowhere to go. You can water it and it will live. It won't die, but it won't grow because it's not been proven. I'm getting ready to preach in this building. Somebody in this room has got to say in this season of your life, I'm sick and tired of floating from church to church to church and you got the unmitigated goal to blame preachers and churches that you are not growing when you can't grow if you don't ever get planted. Get planted. They that are planted in the house of God will flourish. Psalm chapter one. What's the point? The point is some people Don't keep proving. And if you'll just keep allowing God to prove it, he'll keep showing fruit through your life. That's the point. The point is fruitfulness. I'm closing here. The point is fruitfulness. The point is not even success, although you're going to be successful. You're going to be good at what you do. But it's not for you and your glory. It's for the one who you're planted in who has caused you to become anything you are for his glory. And I think some people just need to stop this place in their life where they just feel like they're floating everywhere. And let me help you and get you, get, get you to understand something. I'm not trying to talk about talking you into being a part and a member of our church. I want you to find the right place. And I want to say this. This house ain't for everybody, although everybody's welcome. We understand there are 9,742,316 different churches in Chattanooga. <laughs> we are not the only ones. But one of them has a lock. Pardon me. One of them has a key that unlocks the lock on your life. I was telling this story. Tim Ashley, I'm through. Stand with me. I'm going to share this story and I'm going to be done. Tim Ashley was in the Cleveland service this morning. When I was 19 years old, I preached revivals for Tim Ashley. Now he's a member of our church and I think that's just so neat. We have an infatuation with personal destiny. What's God going to do through my life? I don't know what he's going to do to your life or through your life, but I know this. He wants to use your life for his glory and to help other people. Hear me say this. When I was 15 years old, I played the drums. I sang while I played the drums. I looked like animal on the Muppets. And back then, we didn't know no slow songs. I mean, it was one gear. <laughs> I played every Sunday night and every Wednesday night. I preached once a month as a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, 17-year-old boy. Never given a dime. Served my pastor. Served my church. Said no to opportunities sometimes because I was faithful. Now, some of y'all can't handle this, and you think I would tell this story because I have something to gain from it. I want to tell you that every door God ever opened for me as a minister, I believe he did it because he trusted me when there was nothing, no doors, except that one place he planted me in. Oh, I, I got to get my name out there. 
15 years old, 16, 17, 18 years old, I wasn't worried about anybody knowing my name. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to serve my church. I wanted to serve my pastor. And I found myself being excited about being faithful in those assignments. And one day when I was 20 years old, God told me, leave Lee University. I see Jeremy Hanrahan over there, my buddy from college. He traveled with me the first year and a half of our itinerant ministry. We traveled and I preached and he prayed for people and caught people in the altar. One night he prayed, I was praying for a man named Jim Stallings. Remember Jim? He, if he weighed one pound, he weighed 500 pounds. I laid hands on him, the power of God hit him and he fell on Jeremy. All I saw was Jeremy's arms and legs flailing away under him. Help, get him, I can't breathe. True story, ain't it? I remember when God told me to leave the university, I didn't know one person. I wasn't connected to a family of preachers. God said, leave, I'm about to open doors for you. In one three-day period, my phone rang off the hook. This is not a lie. Before God, it's true. It, for three days, my phone rang off the hook. And for six months, I was booked five nights a week to preach. And I didn't know anybody. They just started calling. You say, Pastor, why you tell that story? Because faithfulness and proving unlocks the door for more. And I see some of these sons and daughters growing up and they've got this honor for this house. And I'm gonna tell you, it ain't because I pastor because I may not be here tomorrow, but I'm gonna tell you this because you honor the thing God has called you to honor. God will trust you with doors no man can shut for you. You better hear what I'm telling you. I know what I'm talking about. I don't mean we're a cult, don't mean we control anybody, don't mean we don't bless people. Who, we have people leave here all the time and we love them and bless them. We're all going to heaven together. You better get over it. But some of, some of us in this room have stopped proving the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We just, I'm saved, yeah, but God is calling you to say, I'm still connected to my purpose, my calling, and I'm not going to disconnect in this season of my life. If you want to make sure you don't waste another day you want to live your entire life for his glory and do everything he called you to do and not leave one thing undone throw your hands up and let's pray before we leave today Lord we don't want to waste days we don't want to lose our faithfulness our connectivity even that whole sense of proving Proving the will, the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. Lord, I, I, I'm still hungry to make sure I'm in your will today. Just as hungry as I was the day you saved me. Just as hungry as I was as a 16, 15-year-old boy when you called me to preach. Lord, I'm still as hungry today to prove that calling and to, and to say, Lord, I'm going to walk worthy of the call you placed on my life. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm not going to waste these days. I'm not going to zip through my teens, my 20s, my 30s, my 40s. I'm not going to wake up one day and think, why did I waste my time? And Lord, if I'm, if I'm in my 40s, if I'm in my 50s, and I feel like I've wasted some time, I'm not wasting another day. Throw your hands up high, let me pray for you. God, I pray for a release of the grace of your spirit on these people today. We'll get to Ephesians 4 next week, but I want to declare that the metron of faith that God gave you to believe that he is your Lord and Savior, that same metron of faith he has left in your life, he put a deposit in you to begin to believe him for supernatural things. Some of you, you're still in caterpillar phase, but this metamorphosis you're going through is leading you to a place with wings. It's leading you to a place where you're going to soar and I just declare over you right now that it's not too late to find your purpose. It's not too late to, to seize your destiny. It's not too late to say, God, whatever you want to do in my life, I don't want to waste it. I don't want to, I don't want to waste my teens, my twenties, my thirties, my forties, my fifties, my sixties, my, I don't want to waste my seventies or eighties. I don't want to waste another day. If that's you, hands up as high as you can. Father, right now, I begin, I pray we will begin to step into divine purpose. Shift our priorities. Shift our hunger. Shift our plans. Whatever you've got to do, don't leave us like you found us. God, we don't want to waste a moment. We don't want to waste a day. We want to say yes to your will. 
Take your neighbor by the hand. I want to bless you. Father, I'm asking you right now in Jesus' name to give somebody the grace to start all over again. Somebody in this room feels wasted. They feel like they're washed up. They feel like their best days are behind them. Uh-huh. I declare right now that the devil is a liar and your best days are not behind you. And you're coming off the sideline. In fact, I, I see somebody in this room. It's like you hung your shoes up on a hook and you said, I can't play the game anymore. And God said, you can't retire. Retirement is not in your future. I'm not telling you you can't retire in the natural. I'm talking about you can't disconnect from proving. You can't disconnect from walking in it. You can't disconnect from your purpose. Because the moment you stop living for purpose, the purpose of God, is the moment you begin to die on the inside. Some of you begin to die on the inside and God came today to stop the death process and to say, you're not done yet. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Grace. I feel the Holy Ghost working right now. Jim, I feel the Holy Ghost working right now. Grace. The Holy Ghost is working. I'm telling you, I see people coming back to life. In fact, I see a, it was like a flat line and all of a sudden there's a pulse again. Hey, there's a heartbeat again. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's not over. It's not over. Somebody begin to praise him if I'm talking to you. If I'm talking to you and you feel something coming back to life if you gotta go go get your babies we love you we'll see you Wednesday I can't leave this moment somebody is coming back to life Holy Spirit if that's for you and it's happening lift your hands right now I want to pray Holy Spirit if there's somebody up hands up near you right now just reach over lay your shoulder hand on their shoulder God let them come back to life today let their spiritual heart begin to beat again let them come, let them pulse come back let them begin to feel let them begin to sense it again let them begin to feel the fire of God again in their spirit Lord it's not over it's not too late it's not done you're not finished I thank you for it God I thank you for it 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 coming back to life coming back to life coming back to life he's about to prove it in you again He's about to prove it in you again. The devil told you it wasn't there, but the devil's a liar. God's about to show you it's still there. It's still there. It's still there. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. It's still there. The enemy tried to get you to give up on it, but it's still there. Hallelujah. I need some people to begin to praise God that it's still there. The oil is still there. The hope is still there. The desire is coming back to you. It's still there. He's not through with you yet. It's still there. I still have a future this is so old just you wait and see I still have a tomorrow cause God's not through with me I still have a future Just you wait and see And I still have a tomorrow God's not through with me. 
Let me sing it over you. You still have a future. Just you wait and see. And you still have a tomorrow. Say this, God's not with me <laughs> he's going to prove it keep on proving it Lord that good per I know so many got to go, go but I need to open the altar for people who need to come stand and say, Lord, I'm getting back in the game. Maybe you quit. Maybe the enemy persuaded you to believe it was dead and it was over and it was done. But today somebody's coming back to life. I know everybody didn't need this part of the message, but I feel the Holy Spirit touching some lives who need to say, that's me and I need to jump back in the game. If I'm talking to you, and God is waking some up. Just come and get here in this altar right now. Just lift your hands and begin to say yes. Come on, buddy. I, I felt that. Come on. Come on. Come on, pal. I still have a future. Friend, I believe God is a miracle-working God, and the greatest miracle that God could ever work in your life is the gift of salvation. And I believe today somebody's watching me who says, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to God. I want to serve the Lord. I want Jesus to save me. Let's pray this prayer together today. Mean it in your heart. Say, dear God, I repent of my sins. I turn to you today, Lord Jesus, believing that you're the Son of God and that you died for my sins. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv, and I just want you to drop us a prayer request and let us know that you gave your heart to Christ. Our team want to pray for you. We want to make sure that you're in a good, loving, Bible-believing church wherever you're from and that you continue to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. The best days of your life are still ahead of you, and we're praying for you today. God bless. I look forward to seeing you next week right here.